Welcome to the Vision for Teaching podcast, coming up on this episode. I've never, I've never seen any negative impact of doing the arts. Give children creative and expressive time and see the impact that has. I just think this could be, this could be that moment for them. My name's Scott and I'm joined as always by Sarah. Hello. And Mrs H. Hello. And in today's episode, we've got a really special interview. Mrs. H, tell us all about what's coming up today. So today we are going to be bringing to you our interview with Dave Powell from Upbeat in South Wales. Um, I've worked with Dave uh, during my NQT year. Um, He's an absolute inspiration. Um, And we started off the interview by asking him where he's come from and how he's got to where he is now. In my formative years, my um, burning ambition was to be a, a, a rock drummer. That was it. I just wanted to be a famous pop star, came out of the 80s. Uh, so in that quest, I, I went to Leeds, City of Leeds College of Music at the age of 18, um, having been brought up in a, in a brass band household. Thankfully, my dad was an incredibly keen amateur musician. Um, and had been a, a little corner player and then became a, a conductor of brass bands. So um, me and my brother came through that route and played fabric of any band and lots of competitions and lovely experiences, played at the Royal Albert Hall, etc., in national finals, which was fantastic, you know, a great, um, great upbringing and learned our trade, learned performing in a lovely environment of uh, friends, really. It was, I live in a little village and actually at, at the time, I think, out of the band of 27, I think 20 of us came from Gavilan, which is this tiny little village. Um, and we got through the national finals, you know, in the first section. That really uh, gave me the ambition to to want to do it for a living. So I went away to Leeds and studied jazz and light music. But also, obviously, through my background, I was still playing with the orchestra and doing classical stuff. Then did a postgrad at Gold, uh, Goldsmiths down in uh, University of London, New Cross. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, the, the postgrad was the National Centre for Orchestral Studies. So I played basically every day. I went to just playing a symphony orchestra for a year, which was just uh, amazing. And um, everybody was from different conservatoires around Europe, really. Um, and we played under a different professional conductor with a different repertoire every week and then did a concert at the end of every week. And that was just, that was really learning my trade. Um, bizarrely, I then joined an R&B band from the Midlands, <laughs> as you do, you know. Um, left college, uh, got a phone call from a guy who I'd been in Leeds with, sax player. And um, as things turned out, he said, I think, I think you'd really enjoy playing with this band. So I went on on the road with this fantastic band called the Big Town Playboys, who are still going today. And uh, there's only one original member who is the bass player. But that was just an amazing experience. And and unbeknown to me, the band was a bit of the darling of of many, many of the big stars that, that I'd grown up sort of emulating, really. So I ended up doing some weird gigs alongside Fleetwood Mac, um, Eric Clapton, Phil Collins. And I was, yeah, and I was 22 years of age, which was, it it was bonkers. It was really quite crazy. But the band was uh, 50s rhythm and blues, really purist. And it's what they'd grown up listening to. Um, So they loved the band. So we ended up playing at the Savoy for Eric Clapton's 25th anniversary in the music business. And, And everybody that I had grown up, so idolizing really was sat in this room at this at this dinner it was 200 people in this dinner and it was all if you if you think back to the late 80s when this was i am that old but everybody you can think of from that era was sat in the room like the young ones bob geldof paulie yates uh, elton john two of the beatles and i'm there playing for them it was just really <laughs> crazy but after a year of being with that band um, I realised that life on the road wasn't glamorous. In terms of, that sounds very glamorous, but then the following night we'd be playing in the back of a pub somewhere. And I, I, I chased another rainbow, which was, I, I did lots of writing and formed a band uh, at home. So I sort of fell into teaching um, as a peripatetic teacher and did that for about four or five years. And then 
I was approaching the age of 30 and thought, hang on a minute, I need a proper job. Uh, and be, I really enjoyed teaching. I love teaching. So head teachers that I spoke to and, and had the conversation with about where's my career going, they, they sort of all unanimously said, look, you need to do your PGC. So, so I did that. Uh, in 19, oh my God, anyone listening to this, thank you, Tease, they weren't even born. Um, <laughs> I did that in 1995. I did my GCSEs that year. What was that? I did my GCSEs that year. Oh, thanks, Sarah. That's really painful. <laughs> um, yeah, so I bit the bullet and had a young family, two children, and took a year out and did my PGC. And I've got to say, it's probably one of the best things I ever did because... Um, the insight it gave me into the teaching profession and also the respect I then gained from other professionals. I think um, it, whether it is, whether that's true or whether I've imagined it, I don't know, but you know, I, I definitely feel that I was treated with more respect then um, when I further down the line left classroom teaching and went back as a sort of a, I, I don't, I was a peripatetic, but I was a senior manager for, for the local music service. So I just felt that I was on the same level talking to head teachers, et cetera, and understood the curriculum and understood pedagogy. Um, so you, you said, how did I sort of uh, get into that, into Upbeat? So that lasted till 2013. So this is like the whole of my life going on here without the uh, gory bits. Mm. Um, and then in 2013, um, the local music services, and uh, local government rationalisation. The local music services were being really badly hit, as, as many local services, not just the music service. Um, and I took redundancy. I opted for voluntary redundancy because I didn't like what was happening within the local authority and I didn't really have confidence in the, the management of the service or above the service, if you like. So I thought, put your money where your mouth is, Holy, and um, thankfully I've got a, a wife who had great trust in me. And again, um, I've got my second family, if, that, if you like. So two children, five and one at the time. Um, and I was 48 and I decided to take voluntary redundancy and go it alone, which to many was a ridiculous thing to do. <laughs> um, and looking back, it probably was, but uh, it's been a brilliant seven years of upbeat. That's brilliant. No, thank you. Tell us a bit about what Upbeat is, because some people listening to this might not have heard of Upbeat. Basically, I formed Upbeat as a result of seeing the demise of um, instrumental music provision. And to give you the reality, I recognised, I think, in about 2010, that there would be pockets of schools that would support instrumental provision. And that would be via parental um, support, financial support. So we all know that, that those areas are actually in the minority and the majority of schools have children who can't afford and parents who can't afford that. Um, I don't like to use the word luxury, but that's, I, that's where I saw it being pushed. Um, so I thought, right, you know, put your money where your mouth is, as I said. And, and my belief was that all children should have access to high quality provision. And I was fed up with doing things on a shoestring for a local authority. And, and please, I'm not knocking the local authority. You know, it, this was this was a national tragedy, you know, in, in that the funding wasn't there. Um, so I, I basically thought there's got to be another way of, of doing this. So thankfully, because of this go back... You know, 20 years to, to my teacher training. I'm passionate about teaching whole classes of children. And I just, I just think of those kids who, um, who are never any, they're never the shining light at anything academic. They're never the shining light at the sport. They're never the one, you know, we know as teachers, they're, they're those children who never have that feeling of, oh, wow, I, you know, I, I achieved that. Um, I shouldn't say never, but I think you, you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. So I just felt that um, we could offer those children an opportunity to do something 
really memorable, really achievable, and they could be part of a collective success, which, you know, it may sound naive or idealistic, but out of that, that could spur on their further learning. Mm -hmm. So that little bit of success they get from doing a six-week project with Upbeat and having that moment of being in the, the limelight, but in a really secure setting. So we never put children in a solo setting unless, as Sarah knows from working with her class, unless they are children who love the limelight and want to be at the front. Um, I think she knows, who's the child, what was his name? Oh, there were quite a few. The one, who did the, the one who did the dancing at the front with me, you know. The, oh, I think he was in the class above. So there will be children who, you know, you just spot that and, and that's, that's an opportunity for them to, to get their, their kick, if that makes sense. Um, but, but for those, those children who, who, who shy away from the limelight, that I just feel that when they're playing with 30 other kids and they've worked week in, week out to achieve a target, and then they smash that target. That's just a real, for me, a massive buzz, you know? Yeah. You, you can see that the children's face light up, can't you? You can just see that they kind of own that moment and it's their... The chest swells and... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that it culminated in the uh, performance for the parents and the carers because they get to show off what they've been doing and there aren't that yeah. many opportunities. Like you say, if they're celebrating something they've achieved, they want people to see it, don't they? Yeah, yeah, quite right. And it's worth saying, you know, because obviously um, I, I know that your target listeners are teachers and NQTs, but I'm just going to skip back to, to setting up upbeat. You know, the, there's no... The name isn't a coincidence. It was about that that well-being agenda, and and when we go in, I think we bring a different um, a different dynamism. And we all know, you know, I was a class teacher too, and there are children who will wear you down, um, you know, across the course of a week because they're not responding the way we hope they respond. Or you, you know, we all have this. I, ideal that we will reach every child but that's a real tough that's a real tough one and um our our agenda is to go in and provide that hour a week where maybe we help that teacher out and re-engage those children or give them a spark of something and give those teachers time to actually see the children learning in a different light um and and just you know because we've had it on countless occasions where teachers already forecast how the children are going to behave in our sessions or how they're going to respond and they're way off beam mm. um you know this child oh don't worry you know you've got like children with adhd or whatever coming into the session autism um and the teacher often will say don't worry they won't they won't be in for more than 15 20 minutes and actually they're the children who every week are waiting at the gate for you to arrive want to help you in with the gear can't wait you know really sad to see you go um and, and so we can never prejudge what style of learning or what is going to no. you know press these kids buttons can we i experienced um, that on um, one of my placements it was a, a, a school in a deprived area let's say the behavior was um <laughs> it was quite difficult at times we well, are daily it was just sort of dealing with behavior but i really wanted to teach um keeping a steady beat because that was kind of my passion and I wanted to try some things out. So the teacher was kind of like, well, there are some instruments somewhere. There, you know, so we found the instruments and she was like, you know, are you sure? Because they don't, they're not going to, they're not going to listen to you. That's what she kept telling me. They're not going to sit. They're not going to, to, to do what you're asking them to do. Do you know what? They were amazing. They were the most well-behaved in any session that I'd had them. And every week they would ask for their music session again. Yeah. But they didn't carry it on when I left. It's tragic, Which, isn't it? It's, it's just awful. Tragic. Do, you see, do you see a lot of that, Dave, where you go in and, and work with schools or, or individual classes? And, and do, do you see them carrying that on? Or do you find that often they, they're waiting for you to provide that and yeah. not necessarily doing it themselves? Yeah, that's that's definite, and it's worth again mentioning though. But I, I, I there was somewhere back about fifteen minutes ago where I mentioned um, I was fed up of seeing things done on a shoestring. Um, so 
my my ideal was that if we were going to do this then we had to do it properly so so the projects we do we we go in and do african drumming samba um taiko drumming japanese drumming um those drums are 500 pound a piece so we've invested so much money you know as we've um burgeoned as a business that money has gone back in to buy in the right equipment to do the job so that when we go in children feel valued so they haven't got a triangle or a broken tambourine but you know it's a case of oh my gosh you know and, and we tell the children what the what it's worth so that they understand that the care of these instruments is paramount um, we never have any issues we've never had any children kick a drum over or throw a drum you know the kids the kids respect that it's very difficult for schools to to continue what we do but i would seriously hope that they they take the ethos of what we do and what i try and do is put in place enough building blocks that teachers can can continue to build on that so i mean it's a lovely position where um there's myself and three other lads who do the the big drumming projects and i'll talk about the rest of the team but Two of those boys I taught from the age of six and the other one from the age of 12. Uh, and the other one I met at the age of 15, and he was a fantastic, well, he is a fantastic percussionist, but I met him at the age of 15, um, winning a competition that I was judging in Pembrokeshire, and then he contacted me years later. And, and, and he works for me. So, so we're in this fantastic position. We call it the family, the upbeat family, because they're, they're like my sons in a way, but they teach in exactly the same style as me because the way I've taught them and, and we've created the project so that they are consistent so if one of us has to cover the other one we know exactly where we can pick up but it's very much about putting putting CPD in for the teacher so the teacher gets confidence out of our project and I know um, Sarah feels the same as me here it, it's crucial that our teachers in with us I just feel it's crucial and and often sadly the teacher sees it or there's so much pressure on the teacher to keep on top of the workload um, that actually they disengage from the session and that is just a real lost opportunity mm. because we are great value for many they are there's another plug but we are we are really great value for many um, and even more so if you look at the cpd that, that goes on in those sessions so so that I, I i do find that a bit of a shame i also i'm going to plug another company here i also always say to schools if you're going to invest in our project then why not look at uh, there's a scheme called charanga which sits online mm -hmm. and it is just so so in depth but so easy and so accessible it's written for non-specialists um and it covers from reception through to year six and there's schemes of work for every half term of the year that is there online all the songs are sung for you you know it's it's, it's for me that's a no-brainer because you pay an annual license and the schools can access provision high of the highest quality from from reception through to year six and it's, it's all done so there's no reason why it shouldn't be continuing when we walk out of the door um, yeah, but there is that fear isn't there though that that teachers new teachers old teachers lots of teachers have a fear of i, I don't even think it's just music i think it's the arts yeah huge that, that, that they can't teach it or that they shouldn't attempt certain things because they don't know enough about it. You're right, Sarah, but they're not going to do any damage, are they? You know, no. that, that's it, the way I always um, view what we do is um, as passionate as I am about it. I always sometimes I, I have to remind myself sometimes what we do is not life or death. You know, yeah. if I teach children a quaver and I use the wrong term and it's a crotchet, it's not going to, it's not going to be irreparable, no. is it? You know? Um, but the joy and the learning that comes for these children is, is um, I just think it's immeasurable, actually. And hence, I'm still doing it 30 odd years later, you know, and, and I feel as passionately about it now, actually, probably more so now. Because... I think it's really important at the moment because it yeah. can, as we've all said before how it can help to unite children now going back to school in September yeah spot on you know i the only slump i've had during this lockdown i've got to be honest is is not knowing when we can go back and do what we mm. do um my optimism is that schools will be crying out for what 
for what we provide because of that social cohesion um, just that community building you know there's nothing more exciting than playing the drum pattern within 30 other people playing the drum pattern for you know for an adult let alone a kid so um and actually i i just feel that that the the um the well-being agenda you know which is you know for some of these kids who've who've had a rough deal during this whole time from whatever circumstances, you know, just for them to be in that moment and doing something that just feels great, I think is, the the demand is there, but it's just, when are we going to be allowed to do it? Have you got any, any ideas of what it might look like when we do get back? So when you do get the green light to go back into schools, is it going to change the way that you run your sessions? It's interesting, um, Scott, that you know we've been looking at our health and safety and um the practices that we'll have to adopt in england they've said no singing no playing of wind instruments um that isn't the case in wales so we were concerned that some of our team because i did say i mentioned that you know we, we also do ukulele singing recorders early years which involves a lot of egg shakers claves um parachutes you know all the those lovely uh, things for, for young learners um so it's just the cleaning it, it, you know for us as a as a business at the end of the day um it has a massive impact on our on our productivity to, to mm-hmm. use business-like terms in that the, the clean down after every session is, um, is something that we're looking at. Thankfully, as soon as uh, Kirsty Williams announced that schools would be going back in September and classes are dirty, schools were on the phone, um, and which, which was really uh, a delight for us. Poses it, all of its questions, but what's great is, you know, we are established now and schools do know that if we're going, we're gonna go responsibly. Um, so they're sharing their health and safety uh, risk assessments with us and, and we're working with them as to how we can best achieve what we need to achieve and we yeah, we will do it it's not insurmountable it just means that there's going to be time between every session that, that is going to be downtime where we need to to address cleaning equipment we're also looking at other projects um possibly using less equipment it's it you've got to sort of take everything as a cha- as a opportunity and a challenge haven't you it means refreshing our projects coming up with something novel and new like i said about the slump you know it's interesting isn't it, this corona coaster we've all been on you know because i've i've thoroughly enjoyed lockdown and kept really creative but that was the only i think you think you're being realistic and you know that this is going to go on but actually there was this dawning of oh my gosh you know this is going on longer than i really really want <laughs> So uh, why do you think expressive arts is so important, Dave? Well, we're not all academic, are we? And I say, when I say we, it's the royal we, that's me, really. Um, (laughs) No, and I was chatting to um, a fellow, I say fellow consultant, that sounds very grand, but I do deliver training on expressive arts for a company called Collective Learning. They're worth mentioning on here because Collective Learning run... um, education courses in the good old-fashioned way of putting out a booklet of courses or visit their website Um, and they asked me if I would co-present a course on the expressive arts area of the new curriculum so I deliver it with a guy called Hugh Duggan of the Right Learning Company and we put together a day all around the expressive arts but I was chatting to Hugh and he, he, just the other day because we were trying to put that model online for the company ready for September because obviously schools will be reluctant to send teachers out on training, etc. etc. But um, it was great talking to Hugh. We were just saying about the moments you get when you do something with your class that's really just off piste. So he said the one day in their school they wanted to do a round the world topic. So in assembly, they set out all the chairs so it was like a plane. The staff dressed up as if they were air hostesses and hosts and welcomed the kids aboard. And, and they started their week going off on that sort of journey. And that was what I was like as a, as a class teacher. The kids never knew what they were coming into. The, and that's what I like to think. And actually, you know, you sort of beat yourself up a bit because we all know that, you know, every day is difficult to do that. But those times when you did it, 
what did you get? You got gold from the kids, didn't you? You got absolute gold. And um, I just think through drama, through uh, music, obviously is my big passion, but um, you know, the, all of those expressive arts. I'll give you an example. In lockdown, I've shown you my green screen, my bit of animation I'm doing with my children. And that's been a case of me upskilling myself just thinking, right, okay, if I'm going to stand there and talk about the expressive arts and the power of it, um, even though I, you know, I've spent 30 years teaching music, I need to revisit the joy of doing mm. those other areas myself. And, oh, gosh, you know, the problem solving I've had to overcome. YouTube, thank the Lord for YouTube. <laughs> oh, gosh, you know. But what a, what a, you know, in a way, what a privileged time having, having this time to have some professional development development myself you know I've just I really embraced it because if you're going to have expressive arts on the curriculum and all five areas as we know I'll go through it anyway I hope I can remember all five now music art drama digital and film and dance if you're going to have those five areas and you're asking teachers to integrate all five of those areas then you know I've got to be able to walk that walk myself or dance that step I think you're right. I think, and I think in Wales, as teachers, we do have the power now with the new curriculum to, we've got more freedom and we need to kind of, we need to get new teachers on board and, and, and to not be scared and to kind of then maybe show other teachers that are reluctant, if you show them the results from it, then teachers will adapt and do things because they all want the results, don't they? Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've never, I've never seen any um, negative impact of doing the arts. You know, I, I've, I've never, I've never seen any damage done to a child. On our website, you know, it just says we identify and nurture talent. That's, that's, that's all you're trying to do. And I'm a strong believer: if we don't give them the opportunities, then they don't discover their skills, do they? You know. Yeah. And Gareth Coombs, who's a fantastic leadership mentor and works with collective learning and does a lot of leadership training for head teachers. He's very well known in South Wales and beyond. But Gareth and I had a chat over lunch when we were both delivering courses one day. And he said, Dave, do we, what, what do we do with kids? Do we keep smacking them with tasks that they're no good at? Or do we give them more of what they're good at? Big question. But if we know a child struggles with literacy and numeracy, do we keep them sat at a desk and keep asking them to go over things that they really struggle with? Or do we actually identify something they're really good at and go, do you know what, that could be your way? Because I was never going to be academic. You know, I, I got my A-levels and I went away to music college, but I got a D at A-level music. I got a first at college when I was doing music because I was with people who were passionate about what they did. You know, I, I, I don't like to speak ill, but you know, my education at secondary school in, in a subject that I loved was, was underwhelming, shall we say. This is going right back to the beginning of this uh, podcast, but I was just fortunate that music was, was in my home. If, it, if, it, if I had to do it via formal route, I probably wouldn't have done it, would I? I, and I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that not being in my life. Where would, where would I be? What would I be doing? I don't know. There's a profound moment. <laughs> Worth mentioning as well, one of my passions has been um, just how music and literacy links. And there's lots of research out there on how, especially with um, what, what I've sort of been focusing on is children with low literacy skills, possibly dyslexia. And how that kind of keeping a steady beat can kind of really help their writing skills. And I know Sarah, Mrs. H, sorry, I know Mrs. H has kind of done some things in her own classroom. So I think like just involving your class in very simple activities to sort of keep a steady beat, it can, it can affect their written work, it can affect their literacy skills, it can help those, those pupils that might find it difficult weirdly in one of the things that I did on one of my placements I had to do action research uh had a steady beat club basically with seven learners in it and one of them was dyslexic and could never write at the start of the where the margin was and at the end of how long did we do it for four, four, four or five 
four weeks. Their writing every single time started off in the margin. <laughs> I don't it's know bizarre. how that happens, but no. it happened. No, it happened for every child, but it happened for him. There's there's loads of research going on, isn't it? And that um, again, as Mrs. H knows, um, forms a massive part of when we're teaching rhythm. Yeah. Is 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 using language? Um, it's not you know it's nothing new. It's, if you look at off the off scheme, etc., then there's you know this has been around for years. But learning rhythm patterns through speech. It's got to help, isn't it? And, and also, I think it really helps with oracy as well. Um, and just to see children, you know, we've had children um, who are elected mute, who in the class they don't speak, and then in our sessions, it's fantastic to see them because they're in, they're in the moment and the teachers are going, oh my gosh, look at that. We had a lovely case in, um, in a school in Newport with very high um, EAL, and these children were Roma learners and little Sarah didn't speak English or so she led all the teachers to believe <laughs> and we were in one of our sessions and I've got to say my whole teaching career was probably the most well, the most memorable and joyous um, sessions I used to do with, with these children because they'd never been to school before they were about seven or eight and they were coming in to, to Newport into a new area they hadn't been formal school before so I would work with them on a Monday morning for an hour with your three and four and then swap to your five and six and these children were just absolutely joyous um, they just loved learning they loved singing they were just amazing to, to work with um, you just got so much back from them and I just did a good morning song. Good morning, good morning, how are you? And we do it in a round, clapping and slapping. And this little Sarah was singing it away, top of her voice, you know. And, and it was a brilliant moment because the teacher, the teacher had the iPad and was videoing it and went, oh my God, I just ran out the door, down the <laughs> corridor to the head teacher. It was just one of those fantastic <laughs> moments that we teach for, you know. It was like, I didn't actually know what was going on. I didn't realise this little girl <laughs> was supposed to not speak English, you know, and she went zoop down the corridor, <laughs> whooping and hollering type thing. You should see this. So, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. But it's great. So we have those children who are learning the glockenspiel with us and they're mouthing every note. And, you know, it's, it's just brilliant, brilliant moments. I think as well, one of the things that really helped my class when you worked with us, and it's something, such a small area of maths, but I hadn't even, even though grown up playing instruments, you know, really familiar with music, quite musical, I'd never twigged that the greater than and less than signs are the same as the crescendo and diminuendo signs at all. And then Dave showed the class and it, that thing in maths was no longer a problem. They got it straight away. I think I had been battling with the crocodile and they didn't need that they just needed dave to physically yeah to physically do a rumble on the drum or drum roll from quiet to loud it, it, the concept just dropped didn't they i remember you just coming in the following week and going oh my gosh i can't believe it and that's where this this is where it's crucial that the teacher is in there with us just to see those links and again you know that's that's it in a nutshell isn't it the new curriculum making those links yeah, yeah. um and going oh do you know what wow you know i hadn't even seen that how, how often does that happen to us as as uh, adults where we just think i've gone through my whole life not making that that link authorize authorize i think that was the word and then it was pointed out to me that you know the, the beginning of that word is author to write and, and you just think oh, I've never ever thought of <laughs> authenticate it was actually to write rules you know it was like god I've never made that prefix link yeah. sorry I'm, I've got again I told you I tangent but <laughs> but it's those little things that you just think oh that's never been explained to me or I've never ever made that link and so you know you saw that didn't you you saw that teaching opportunity and just acted upon it it wasn't in your it wasn't in your plan for the day it, it totally wasn't and we'd already covered it and I had been you know trying to think of a way that they could remember it that they could all grasp and that just within that one session completely clicked and we never looked back whenever we've talked about it well obviously we haven't been there for long after but it's never been an issue and I could confidently set them online learning knowing that they would be able to do it 
probably drumming at the table as they were doing it. I hope. Well, yeah, and then there's the little boy that I was doing the struggle with literacy. So we were clapping a rhythm or clapping the syllables before he was writing and things like that. And you know that he became so confident in that, and he wasn't at all self-conscious of other people around him looking at him or whatever. But he would clap the syllables, and then he could write what it was he wanted to write. Pupils like that, with children like that, seeing their confidence, yes. because I know with with my dyslexic or low low level literacy skills, that they, they, they didn't like to read out. You know, it was a really high pressure thing for them to do, and it was emotional. They hated, but actually doing a silly little rap and clapping a beat with me. They, they, they wanted to stand there at the front and they wanted to do it in front of everybody. Because I had said, oh, you know, you don't have to do it in front of everybody because I was just going to film them. They were like, no, we want, we want to do it in front of the class. So that, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. How often do we hear about actors being shy, essentially mm -hmm. shy, but, you know, you, put, you give them a different, different uh, what's the word, different platform. And, yeah. and they'll come alive and uh, that's where I'm at is that I, I just felt that if we created with Upbeat opportunities for children to be in a secure environment doing something that's slightly scary then you take away that that fear of failure and and we all know as adults that we, we're going to fail at things of course we are but actually the other thing that I'm really proud of is, is we set the bar quite high because we're professionals at what we do, by week six, for anyone listening who doesn't know where we work, we do half-termly projects with classes, whole classes of children, for one hour a week, maybe 45 minutes with foundation phase. And on week six, that is performance time. So for school, that is parental engagement time. And again, it's worth mentioning that, that what the way... I've structured our projects are to try and tick as many boxes for schools as possible. So we even say to the schools, if you want to bring the parents in on week three to see what they're learning, because, you know, drumming may seem a bit frivolous. Well, what are they doing yeah. a drumming project for? Well, actually, when we've had parents in, and again, as Mrs. H will know, I take that opportunity on week six, if they haven't grasped the opportunity of, of to, to come in on the learning journey, if you like. Um, then on week six, I tell them exactly how the children have been learning and what they've learned and where they've started and where they now have got to, um, to celebrate the kids' achievements, but also just to educate the parents that actually this isn't just a frivolous hour a week that, we, that we've been doing. Actually, with uh, your classes, Mrs. H, we, we only did 40, 45-minute sessions, didn't we, year three and four? Because we had three we classes, four, didn't we? Yeah, we did 40 minutes a class. So. Yeah. So again, you look at that in terms of real... Yeah. Real time, five sessions of 40 minutes. What's that, 200 minutes? I'm trying to work it out. Just over three hours. And then they put on a performance. I think yeah. we had 90 and kids, the, didn't we? Yeah, we performing. did. And the confidence, and there's no inhibitions. They're not shy. They love it. And it was, it was just, and they, you know, pair, the feedback was great from parents. And they still, you know, even when we were, went back for the last three weeks and we were just talking about reflecting on year three, you know, they were still talking about their drumming. They absolutely loved it. And that to me is absolute delight because I, I, I just look back on school and, and just the, what, are, what are the things that you remember and, and making memories for me is a, is a yeah. huge thing for children to, to look back on and with a, with a smile and, and yeah, that, that was a seminal moment for me. You know, I went to a conference and I went into a lecture and it was called Peak Musical Moments, which, which, sort of actually piqued my humour at the time because I thought, what's this going to be about? But actually, it really absorbed me because it was a professor talking about what the people in the room were all musicians or music educators. And he said, what happened when you were younger that took you down this path? Um, something you will have had peak musical experiences that have led you to where you are now. And, and you sit in, in that room and think, what are those, what, what were those moments? And I could, I could identify those moments. And the one was when I was 11 years of age playing drums with the brass band for the first time in King Henry VIII um, School Hall. And I could remember the two pieces I played. I'd never played percussion before. I helped out my uncle Ken, who was the drummer. Um, and that set the course for where I am now. And so 
I think when I when I when we do these things with children, I just think this could be this could be that moment for them. So Dave, tell us what's next for Upbeat. So during lockdown, um, you know, it's been a big struggle in terms of we're not doing what we love. We're not out delivering projects with kids and the buzz that gives us. So it's been, a, as we said earlier, the coronavirus, uh, the corona coaster has, has sort of peaked and troughed for us all at different times. Um, and I was thinking, you know, I had 10 weeks of being productive, doing videos of fun for Twitter and just to keep the team spirits up. And then you have a personal slump yourself. And then it's very difficult to gee everyone else up while you're thinking, oh, I, you know, I'm not seeing the optimistic uh, view at the moment. Um, but then thankfully the light came on and I thought, do you know what? When schools go back, it's not going to be as we all know it. You know, there's going to be pressures, et cetera, et cetera. So what can we do now in, in, the, in our own homes or whatever to help teachers and children when, whether they're in bubbles of seven or 30? So I thought, wouldn't it be great to put together a resource that a teacher could put on in the classroom that is educational, it's fun, it doesn't involve the children moving around, we can't get them too excited, um, and it doesn't need any equipment. I'm not setting myself many parameters here. <laughs> um, uh, so we've 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 attempted it, and, and I think we've we've done a nice job. So we're in the middle of editing eight videos. Every video will be a maximum of ten minutes, and every video will have fun activities based around rhythm. Um, and, oh, coming back to Sarah's point about the lack of confidence with teachers, it will decode, demystify the vocabulary of music. Now, the reason we've started with music is because that's my specialism. It'll be fun. It'll be done in a sort of comic book style for kids so that it's engaging. Um, it's got pause moments for the teacher to stop, to give the children time to digest whatever concept we're working on or practice a, a an activity at their desk but now my big goal is that actually it would be brilliant to put together a whole suite of these for the expressive arts so when the expressive mm. arts kicks off in 2022 we've got a music area we've got a dance area we've got a um, digi animation area so that is the long-term goal for now we're beavering away in our little studios my lovely right-hand man jason the two of us are just upskilling ourselves on the video editing software, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've sent a taster over to, to Mrs. H. Yes, you have. I think it's fantastic. And I love the fact that actually you're saying that it could be done in class, not much movement and everything, but actually I'd love to whack that on in the hall when they are all allowed to be together in a bigger space. With two or three classes, you could do it easily. I and mean, it is so, so transferable and informative. I think it's great. Brilliant. That's, no, I, I need your feedback because... We can't compete with the BBC, you know, and their resources. However, I do think we're doing a nice job. I'm really proud of it. And, and, and to be honest, it's just great to, to have a creative purpose again, if I'm honest. Yeah. You know, I'm absorbed in here and my wife, you know, she's crying, looking at me putting green screens up and all sorts of things and tripping over leads because I'm, <laughs> I'm a drummer at the end of the day. I don't do, I don't do electronics. <laughs> I don't do electronics without lots of frustrated noises in the background <laughs> I, th I think it sounds like a great idea Dave and I think um, I was a governor in a previous school and that um, the whole expressive arts but that word dance just puts the fear of God into all the teachers no, because yeah. everybody feels that they can't dance and I, and I think that attitude of like you've got to teach ballroom dancing to the children has to be removed it's, it's bigger than that of course it is. And, and we've got a fantastic dancer, um, Charlotte, on board with us. So she's been involved in these videos. But I think she's feeling a bit frustrated because, you know, she wants to um, blossom her area, which is, yeah. which is fantastic. But um, the, my thinking is at the moment, with limited movement, if we provide something which is achievable in the, within the classroom environment, it's called Uplift as well. So it's a 10-minute video that could quite easily become 
30 minutes of video time for a teacher because for me as a teacher I would see loads of teaching opportunities but it just means that we're advising teachers if a teacher just wants to let it run for 10 minutes it's great but equally what I've also thought with these videos is this learning the arts is cyclic you know we need to revisit we need to revisit so I thought if we keep it at a 10 minute format for teachers who don't want to do the stop starting you could put it on 10 minutes one day and put it on 10 minutes the following day and the children will have a chance to uh, redigest and hopefully it'll be short enough, concise enough for them to, to get a lot from it several mm -hmm. times. That, that, that's the thinking. But equally, we've, we've not dated it. There's no references to coronavirus mm -hmm. because I'd like this to be a resource that's usable down the yeah. line. How are you going to plug that, Dave? It'll be on Twitter, Facebook, um, I'll be emailing schools, um, but please, any any uh, retweets or will be hugely uh, appreciated. You know, I've contacted some head teachers with they'll be getting a, a trial version to see if they like the concept and then what they think is the best way forward. Doing a bit of market research, I suppose. It's a tricky time, you know, because um, obviously we're not earning anything while we're while we're in lockdown, and this has been four months now. So as a company, we're also we 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 want schools to know that we'll still be around when they are back to normal mm. so we need to find a way of doing that you know so there's a there's a commercial element to this as, as well as a, a driving educational one thank you dave that's absolutely brilliant really really enjoyed it how do we find you where can we find about you and upbeat so our website which has got some fantastic new welsh resources as well um, is www.upbeatmusicandarts.co.uk Twitter at Upbeat Wales Lots of our guys will have the um, at Upbeat Joel, at Upbeat Jason, at Upbeat Ben So I'm sure upbeat, if you find yeah. one then you'll, the others will come out, won't they? Yes, yeah. Facebook, Upbeat Music and Arts Limited Dave, thank you so much. That's just brilliant. It's been so great chatting with you today. This is the Vision for Teaching podcast. So just before we let you go, what would your vision be for the future of teaching and education? And, and my vision is that teachers and senior leaders are allowed the time to, to give children creative and expressive time and see the impact that has and we've got that opportunity now, you know, Wales is, is leading the way in the world. Um, so please, you know, the powers that be, allow it to happen. Well, thank you very much, Dave. It was fun talking to you today. You've um, raised some really interesting points and we've got lots to take away from that. I know that um, the others will agree and I'm sure our listeners will too. Um, I was just thinking, Dave shared his vision with us and I just wondered um, if we had any visions that we wanted to share. I know I've got one which I can do now or I can come back. Um, I think mine would be that teachers really embrace this kind of peripatetic um, external agency um, opportunities that, that become their way. So when Dave came in to work with us, he, I made sure I was there for each session and I took on what he was saying and I used it back in the classroom. So there was a link for the children, but I, I have seen previously where that doesn't happen. And it's very much, a, oh, thank goodness, we've got 45 minutes or an hour of somebody else teaching. I can mark books at the back or, you know, just catch up or go and grab a coffee. And I think, I think it, for it to be truly successful, it would be great to see teachers really immerse themselves in it as well. I think that's that's absolutely spot on. I think this sort of leads into my vision because my my vision based on what Dave said was that I, I don't know if schools and teachers individually really value the work that you can do around expressive arts. I think very often it's the casualty in a crowded timetable. So if you've got priorities my experience is they tend to be humanities, maths, literacy. You don't very often see teachers prioritising the expressive arts. So I think, yes, bring agencies in, but also if schools were putting more focus on the expressive arts and not deeming them to be any less important or less valuable, because I think Dave made a really good point when he was saying how some children are not great sportsmen. 
some children are not going to be the best at maths or any academic subjects, but they might just find their calling in music or drama or whatever, you know, whatever expressive art you're, you're focusing on. So for me, it's about valuing it and, and really schools taking it and running with it, not just, not just leaving it for the professionals. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, my vision, as you know, this is like a passion of mine. My vision would be that to just remove that fear and, and that young teachers and more experienced teachers would just lose their inhibitions a bit and just give some really simple things a go. And it doesn't really matter. You don't have to conduct an orchestra. You don't have to create an opera. You don't have to paint a masterpiece. What you need to do is you just need to have a go and let the children get lost in whatever part of the arts that you, that you were looking at. Just let them explore it and stop worrying about getting it wrong. Just give it a go. So that's yeah, my view. Brilliant. And Dave said, didn't he, that you know he's never seen a child harmed from having a go and doing it. And I, I say wrong in inverted commas because there is no wrong, is there? No. Any experience is is a good experience fab thank you ladies and uh, just leaves us really to share our uh, social media details where can we find you all on twitter mrs h coming to you first uh you can find me at mrs h underscore primary and sarah uh, i am at smart teaching 20 and you can follow me at mr han teach that's h-a-n-n teach or, of course, you can follow the podcast at Vision for Teaching. That's Vision, the number four, and teaching. Thank you very much again. And thank you today from Upbeat Music. Absolutely fantastic chat today. We will speak to you all really soon. Bye. 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 Bye.